0: Hey, Cookie, welcome, mate. G'day, Mark. How are you going this month? Pretty good. (laughs) Well, it's it's an interesting month. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening outside the uh, tightening, neutral, easing environment, outside of that. I mean, other things around the the RBA, et cetera, that I'm finding quite fascinating. Um, Only, you know, a few days ago um, did our um, new Reserve Bank governor elect. Yep. Elected by the... Labour Party, not elected by you or me. Um, although we may have pointed her, but I didn't really see who all the candidates were. But um, uh, and I'm not going to say Sandra Bullock because I keep saying Sandra Bullock, but uh, uh, Michelle, Michelle, Michelle Bullock, <laughs> yes. um, Sandra's sister. Um, but anyway, she she had a very interesting reception recently where she made a, a speech and uh, she was harangued by a pretty rowdy crowd off the back of them saying, "Well, you're going to cr- you're going to create a situation because she keeps talking about a four and a half percent." being the newer unemployment number, um, are you going to create 140,000 unemployed people? Which is a fair comment. I mean, I don't like the way they did it, but it's a fair comment. Um, Because one of the things that the RBA has always positioned itself as is neutral in that they don't go political. They say, these are the numbers we're trying to achieve. And four and a half percent is the right modeling number for us to indicate to us that um, there's not going to be any pressure on wages so much so that those wages will no longer, at that number, create inflation. So, therefore, 4.5% is the number. He, she doesn't then, they don't ordinarily go into the territory saying, and we feel sorry for those people who are going to lose a job because it's not their territory. It's not their thing. Yeah. It's not yeah. what they're supposed to do. They're not political. They're that's,
1: why the, that's why the unemployment rate, Safety nets there for the for the people who do become unemployed Correct. in any business cycle. And that's more and for the government. Correct, a, it is to, indeed. To a indeed,
0: 100%. And, uh, but it's a fair comment because, uh, yep. you know, like um, maybe the RBA should start thinking about those things. Who knows? Um, but also in her conversation, in her speech, she talked about, I don't know if the words are climate change, but the effects of climate change potentially on inflation, therefore on interest rates. What's your reading on that? <sighs> The climate
1: change issue is is happening. We know we we know that, and it will impact on the economy, insurance premiums, where people want to live, uh, well, weather events, storm events. Insurance is going to be the one area where it's going to be most important. Now, on a month to month basis, even a year to year basis, the impact will be. Too small, I think, to measure. Now, occasionally you saw in the floods in Lismore a little while ago, the bushfires a couple of years ago, there are implications for an economy when a natural disaster or a climate change disaster, if we can call it that, uh, does happen. It does impact on the economy. It changes the inflation rate. You know, even a cyclone. Remember 10 years ago, banana prices went up because uh, of a cyclone in Queensland. And and, and
0: lettuces in Victoria.
1: Yes, all that sort of stuff. Lettuces went to 10 bucks, And and, and cherries. Yep. All that stuff does impact inflation and prices and the economy. And, it, you know, if we've got to build, rebuild new houses that burn down or get washed away in the flood, unfortunately, you know, tragedy that is, you know, it does impact on the economy. However, uh, they're the sort of events that to me don't materially change that big picture view where the RBA and under the new charter that Michelle Bullock has agreed to when she uh, confirmed her appointment is – to keep inflation between 2 to 3% over the cycle. And we know, you know, if it's 2.9 or 2.8, 3.0, it, that's great. That's fine. So I don't think those things are going to be impacting the inflation rate that's going to say, oh, well, gee, because of global warming or we've got El Nino and there's a drought coming, we're going to hike rates or cut rates. I don't think it's that sort of thing. Uh, maybe over, oh, gosh, I don't know, five or 10 years, if it depends what happens to the climate. I'm no climate scientist. I do look at the stuff and yeah, you know, I think we're warming. I, I think we are. But how that impacts on the economy is still really unclear. Um, so I think, okay, it's a bit like saying they're going to take, yeah, well, take out of El Nino or La Nina, you know, these these big weather events or too much rain or not enough rain. Uh, and there's droughts and that has impacts on the supply of cattle. You know, sometimes if there's a drought, they the meat prices fall because the farmers send the cows off to be slaughtered because they're going to die in the drought. When they've got to restock, prices go up because they're keeping all
0: their cattle for rebreeding. They don't hike and cut interest rates on the back of that. You're right. Historically, you don't. Just like yep. I said, historically, the um, RBA never considers people who's lo- who are losing their jobs as a result of um, increasing interest rates to attack inflation, trying to push unemployment number up. I mean, they might feel it personally, but you know, they might think about it at a personal level. But as a as an institution, it's not something they should consider. It's, normally, ordinarily, it's not in their mandate. But you know, we live in different times. Um, and, you know, and politics seems to creep into everything and um, morality and ethics is starting to creep into every decision-making, policy decision-making effort these days, it seems to me. Could it be that the RBA is going to join the process of trying to control climate? I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about
1: a whole range of policies. And even just in this last week, the issue of the GSTs come up in tax reform, you know, this intergenerational report, we're all living longer, getting oh, older. No, I mean, can we deal
0: yeah. with that for a sec? yeah oh, oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Steve, that yeah. intergenerational <laughs> report, I can't believe it's about 40 years from now. <laughs> They can't get four weeks right. What like the hell? 40 like, years, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. the RBA government go back one, uh, t- two years oh, and we rates had some holes 2024. We had 400 hell, points like, of uh, marks, yeah. Why are we even thinking about it? Like it's the craziest, <laughs> yeah. most. I mean, um, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, and you him. know as well as so I. I mean, you can't make any assumptions. This is modelling at its worst. Okay, this is absolute worst modelling <laughs> at its worst because yeah. the, the 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 major. Well, the concept of modelling is by definition is always wrong because you can never include every single variable into the model. Modelling is not about anything. It's about the variables, the assumptions you make. And human behaviour is one thing you can't model. You can't.
1: You can sort of say, normally when we put interest up, house prices fall. But well, what about immigration? What about the cost of building? What about the supply of... New Public policy. What, correct. So if there was nothing else that changed, interest rates up, went up, house prices would go down. But there are a myriad of other things that influence house prices. As we're seeing right now, we've had 400 basis points of rate hikes and house prices since February this year are up about 6%, I think it is. So, But the reason why I mentioned that sort of more medium-term thing about what the RBA might do on climate change uh, is to – and maybe they know more than I do on how it's going to be impacting if Australia gets – or the world gets hotter and drier and more volatile weather – if that's what's going to be happening, they may say that they're going, and I think Phil Lowe touched on this when he mentioned it in passing. He didn't have a serious or a long-term speech on it. He sort of said that, you know, we will get more volatile inflation. You know, when lettuces go to $10, when bananas go to $15 a kilo, when uh, houses houses get burned or washed away, we've got a, a shortage of tradies to build them and, and materials to build them. They said, so they're going to get more volatile inflation. So instead of sort of for the last 30 years until recently, inflation sort of was generally one and a half to three and a half. Occasionally went above, occasionally went down, but basically it was in the two to three target for 25-odd for years. The inference is that, oh, you know, when lettuces go to 10 bucks, inflation will go to 5%. When they grow again, it'll drop to 0%. And so I think the way that they're going to be telling us and the community to interpret the inflation numbers is to look – around issues that are caused probably by climate change. I think it's more that sort of stuff. So whether that means they get a new underlying inflation measure and strip out, oh, I don't know, the price of things influenced by rain, which is sort of why the why the underlying, the, sorry, the trimmed mean measure is actually pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, to talk about lettuces again and bananas, um, that was – Sure, it impacted inflation. Yep, we're all paying 10 bucks for a lettuce and 15 bucks for a kilo of, of bananas. But the trimmed mean inflation rate took those things out. They trimmed them out of the inflation. So you had core inflation, like what's happened to the price of, you know, the things that are, that are there every day in our consumption. And, and, and they're not influenced by the whims of the weather. So
0: why the hell did she raise it? Well, look, I, <laughs> I'm a bit more, uh, maybe a little bit more suspicious than you. But <laughs> yeah. a new governor... Have, yeah, yeah. nearly a maiden speech, nearly. Effectively, yes. Talks about that. I mean, I, and, and it's the first time I've ever actually heard it as a, a the subject matter of a speech. Um, I just get very nervous about this sort of stuff. I can't work out how it would actually figure into their
1: month to month or they're soon, soon going to be meeting eight times a year, so every six weeks when the new, new system comes into place next year. So every six weeks when they meet, I don't think... I don't think and can't see how it's going to materially change. Oh, do we need to hike? Do we need to cut? Do we need to leave them steady? Uh, the fact that we might have a, a a climate event impacting the economy because because the supply and demand sort of issues, the things that drive inflation, the things that get us to that two to three inflation target, when, you know, when we've got the equilibrium between supply and demand, right, inflation increases by two and a half In a normalised market, Yeah, when there's no... COVID, pandemics and, you know, all these other things going on. I still think they're going to just adjust interest rates or leave them unchanged according to that target. Then why the hell did you raise it?
0: I I can't answer that. I just can't understand it. Like I I was flabbergasted when I I read it. Uh, I didn't listen to it. I actually read the text. But I was actually flabbergasted. And uh, I guess what will happen here, Cookie, is that we'll get a better understanding of where they're going to because as you remember, the review recommended two boards, one board yes. for, for you know, business as usual day-to-day stuff and the other board will be opining every whatever it is, eight times a year on interest rates. Correct. So, we so monetary we,
1: policy board yeah, as correct. opposed to one that looks
0: after printing bank notes yeah, and yeah.
1: admin of you yeah, know, the staff and but all that stuff. But we
0: don't know who's on that new board. No, it hasn't been appointed I mean, yet. For no. me, Bill Evans, please put your hand up if you're not. I mean I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, being, I'm, I'm being cynical but Bill. I know you're you're retiring and i'm hoping the reason for that is you're going to you've been you've been tapped on the shoulder to join that board because he's a great um for me he's a very neutral guy but he also understands his stuff interest rates that is oh people like that i'm hoping the
1: new board is uh dominated if that's right word with people with financial markets experience I've had this sort of exchange of views with other people about, oh, they need more academics and things like that. Look, the Reserve Bank, to get a job in the Reserve Bank, you've got to be a PhD, you've got to have an economics IQ of God knows what. The RBA is full of academic economists. They're brilliant. What you need and what the problem was in the last four or five years was that that academic modelling, as we were chatting about before, that modelling led them up the garden path. They made errors. They need a few practical people who've worked in financial markets, who talk to global investors, who talk to people and understand that, hang on, yeah, this is, you know, when when inflation started going up and even after it went up, Dr Lowe said, oh, no rate hikes till 2024, people in the markets were saying, what the hell is that?
0: What was he saying? So if you
1: had a board that had a Bill Evans and, yes, Vote one, Bill, although we don't vote on that. Um, But if you had Bill Evans and a couple of his calibre on this Monetary Policy Board, I dare say we would have had a much better response to this lift in inflation. They would have hiked earlier which would have nipped it in the bud a little bit. Sure, we still had an inflation problem. No, no yeah, There was a whole lot of things going on. But it would have nipped it in the bud a little earlier, probably made the peak a little bit lower. But they definitely wouldn't have predicted 2024 either. They wouldn't have said oh, that. Oh, heavens no. And I, well, I, oh, I read Bill's stuff all the time, and I think I, I, I don't want to misquote him, but I recall in late 21, early 22, when this no hike still 2024 issue was being discussed by the RBA, he was...
0: Throwing cold water on that, well and truly, yep. So, we will see <laughs> what the the uh, the colours of the RBA will be in the future. I think we'll be able to tell by who they actually point to this monetary. Policy board, the new one in the RBA, which must have to be decided pretty soon. Because
1: I think so too. I I haven't seen a timetable, but here we are. Well, it's basically September. Yep. That uh, they'd want to get the people on on board and get them familiar and get them you know ready to gear up for
0: their for their new really important responsibility. I find I find this whole area the the review, the RBA board review, the appointment of who's now appointed, um, Ms. Bullock, um, the new constitution, what we will soon be told. I find the whole thing fascinating. I find uh, Bullock's um, conversation the other night uh, quite fascinating about uh, climate change and how that sort of sits within the remit of the RBA board in certain terms of considerations. I find it fascinating. I think politics in my world um, that, that I see it, the way I see it, has a way of um, um, sort of do, having its own process of osmosis. And it seems to bleed into just about every part of our lives now. I mean, including, you know, we've got the yes, no vote going on at the moment. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's coming out of all sorts of places. All sorts of people are talking about it for when they've got nothing to do with uh, yes, no. Um, you know, everyone seems to have an opinion on everything that's political. Yep. And uh, I just, I get nervous about that because I like hard-lined economic decisions when it comes to interest rates. When, That's me. And when
1: it comes to the economy, as, as we've learned, and, and in fact, this is sort of more of a big picture view, uh, from the early, or well, from the late 80s, early 90s, we've had generally really good economic policy management. And I put that down, and I'm happy to admit this, Hawke, Keating, Costello, And Howard, uh, but but Costello was sort of more economics than Howard whatever. Well, they got a couple of things wrong. Nobody's perfect. And when you're in government for five years, ten years, you'll get a couple of things wrong. But I think some of Australia's success owes a lot to those people who took the tough economic decisions. Sure, there was a bit of politics involved. Sure, there was. But... You know the things that they implemented: superannuation, floating the dollar, the GST, cutting income taxes, you know, adjusting company tax scales, opening up the Australian banking system. Yeah, you know, there's a myriad of things that Australia is better for that. For the tough decisions. For the tough decisions, and so you need, And same with interest rates. Giving back in the early nineties, the RBA became independent. It was formalised by Costello in '96, if I remember correctly. And so the independent RBA, two to three target, hike and cut without fear or favour. Without fear of favour, even during election campaign. If we've got a hike rates, we've got a hike rates. Which they did too. Which they did. They've done yep. twice. Yep. 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 So um that was good and it served Australia well. Hard so, nose non political decisions. And look at the data. facts. Yeah. Look at the data, the facts, and the consequences of what you're about to
0: do. Yeah. So in other words, abide by the mandate.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it, it sounds really
0: simple if you say it quickly like that. Yeah. So we will soon see. We'll soon see, yes. The, because
1: oh, by the way, they've also got to appoint a new deputy governor because that's appointed by the
0: government. Maybe Guy DeBell wants to come back now that he's left Fortescue. Who knows? Who knows? I, I can't comment on that either i don't know well it's going to be really interesting because I, yeah. I, I can't oh, wait yeah. for that so let, let's talk about uh, tightening neutral easing you know yep. what's the story mate what's not floating around at the moment sort of tending to me to indicate in terms of data and um, uh, releases t- seems to indicate to me stay where we are stay the same I, not not put them up don't put them down just not say too much just wait and see how it all rolls out but is there anything out there that we should be looking at the big
1: news in the last month, since our last recording, were wages data and the labour market data. Yeah, we had a few other bits and bobs too, but they were the, like the big, big issues. Wages data, the wage price index came in at 3.6% annual, down from 37 It actually, okay, it's only 0.1 difference, but the market and the RBA were looking for it to go towards 4%. So... That was critically important because the RBA feed, and you mentioned it before, uh, were, maybe still are, worried that the low unemployment rate would feed into higher wages, would feed into higher inflation. That is not underlined, underlined, not happening. The wages data were actually, while they weren't weak, they did dispel that theory. Wages are not rising. Yes, yeah, they're steady at an OK level. It's acceptable. Now there, there is an acceptable level. Yeah, if everyone got a 20% wage rise, the economy is stuffed. If everyone gets a zero, it's not good either. Four, three and a half ish, four percent is about right, and it's consistent. Most importantly, with the two to three inflation target, so wages a little softer than expected. So don't hike rates again. The other thing that happened, which reinforces on hold, is the unemployment numbers, which came out a couple of weeks ago. First of all, you had a minus 14,000 in employment. Like fourteen thousand people lost their jobs last month, the unemployment rate went from three point five percent to three point seven percent. So okay, the monthly numbers are all volatile. Yep, they just do a survey of the population. They still do the monthly numbers, but they went up. Yeah. Oh, so unemployment went up. Yeah, employment went down. So if the board meeting's sitting there and they think, oh gee, unemployment's up, their wages, oh gee, a bit weaker than we thought. Let's. Oh, then you add in things like retail sales. You look at the global economy. The US is probably doing better than we thought. China's probably doing worse. Than we thought. So the global economy is still, you know, soft. Not a, probably not a recession, but certainly a long way from a boom. So everything's
0: pointing to on hold, on hold, on hold. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, we saw the government of given them, so the the uh, the um, not the public servants, or maybe it is public servants, but definitely the politicians have given yeah. themselves a four um, percent yeah. wage rise. Public servants too, by the way. Public servants as well. Yep. So that. That the, the public service um, account for probably maybe fifteen percent of the total, unemployed, uh, uh, total employed, <laughs> unemployed total employed <laughs> unemployed employed in
1: Australia yeah. about uh, that yeah. yes about so, for, for the for the for what we call it the departmental public service if you add police nurses teachers is another. Five or six percent of the so workforce, so it's close to twenty so percent,
0: all in, all up. That's state and fed. So the, it's yes. the feds who just gave themselves a four percent rise, but you would expect that to sort of somehow sort of seep into the state at a state level. But yeah, um, it's not you know, it's not a bad benchmark. But um that's a little bit above. You know, for me, that's yeah. a little bit uncomfortable. Um, a
1: above. I would. My caveat would be to cut them some slack. They got really weak wage increases due to the pandemic. If, if I remember correctly, some of them only got one and a half. So if you actually look at say a three year moving average, it's probably with a four, it's probably around about three, three and a bit percent. But still it so is it's 4%, a bit of a catch up. But but it's four percent today though. Yeah, that's the things that matter. So the question becomes yep. is Does that it? enough to be inflation ridiculous? That's you, you don't want any more than that. That's that's your and in all seriousness, that's the upper bound on wage. Look, if you've got four point one, that's fine. But, but as soon as you get to say 4.25, 45 percent you then start ringing the alarm bell. That is the sort of wage increase that, if it's sustained for, if it's just a one off and it comes back down, fine. If it's four and a half, four and a half, four and a half, oh, you've got an inflation problem. That's what the RBA is worried about. So, this one was talking about a minute ago. The The official wages number for the June quarter, 3.6%, spot on. The 4% wage increase for, well, public servants and some other awards, or even the minimum wage case, that was 5.75%. Now, not many people get the minimum wage. But for those who do, that was five point seven five percent. That's just bumped up, you know. So wages. Look, I'm not worried about wage wages because the economy is slowing down and immigration is high, and a lot of those immigrants work. They they take a job, but it is still something that's just on the side of your radar.
0: Yeah, I'm just a little bit concerned about it relative to interest rates. Um, As you said correctly, it was the June number, but you know we're in September now. So, and we're seeing we saw that we've seen you know fifteen to twenty percent of them. Well, fifteen percent at least is now going to have a four percent wage rise. Um, so which you know, if I add uh, that fifteen percent, I mean, I don't know what it is in terms of total dollars because it's fifteen percent of individuals as opposed to fifteen percent of it's not fifteen percent of the total wage, and I don't know what the total wage is. But um, of of the public service, I mean, I definitely don't know that one. Don't know that one, but. uh, but in terms of numbers, it's still a, a statistically significant, as you would expect. Um, is that my, we might see a different um, number for, that we might get in October for the September quarter or? Yes, that that will from be. From three points.
1: Uh, we may, yeah, yes. We may or may not. That's the, and, But the interesting thing for the 3.6 for the annual run rate, last September quarter we had a 1.2 for the quarter because remember when Labor won the election in early 2022. There was that minimum wage increase, yep. so we've got to, we've actually got a high number in the run rate. So for the 3.6 to go up, you've got to get a quarterly result above 1.2, and you've got to you've got to remember that the way that the ABS calculate a four percent wage increase. Is one percent per quarter? Right, just, they don't do four percent. Yeah. So they do a what do you call yeah. extrapolation to, okay. and and then if it's three point five, what well, three point five divided by four? They put that through the quarterly profile. Yep. Okay. So yes, we will get a
0: a higher than quarterly result, but the annual figure might just be bouncing around roughly where it is. Okay. So I'm not, so uh, okay, mathematically, probably not, or statistically in terms of significance anyway, probably nothing really to work out, w- worry about. Is there, is there anything else on the horizon? So is there any um, wage cases or um, uh, claims or et cetera f- 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 flying around? There they're already.
1: continuing, but they're actually not so bad. In fact, if we look at the, in, in the other thing that we...
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
1: haven't discussed, and that's fine, because a few weeks ago now, is that in August, early August, the Reserve Bank put out their quarterly statement on monetary policy. That was after, just after we yep. did our last recording. In that, they do a survey of firms, of uh, businesses. They ask people like Seek and Indeed, you know, the labour hire uh, websites, what is the wage level that you're advertising? So the average job that you're advertising, what's the ad your age? And they work out a percent change. And that was actually also showing that wages were were topping out. They weren't falling, but the rate of growth was topping out. Yeah, they're all slightly different measures. The award increases aren't that high. You know, there's a lot of businesses that aren't getting that much. They might be getting 3%, but those people who are getting 5% are few and far between, if, if you know what I mean. So there's a, there's a whole lot of things. And I think that immigration is actually, I won't say flooding the labour market, but it's providing a fair bit of, labor supply to the industries that were short of labor. And that ranges from forklift truck drivers to people, you know, on building sites, admin on boards. And admin, all it let alone IT, tech, you know, <laughs> gurus, all that sort of stuff. So you're actually seeing a bit of a, a inflow of supply, of labor. And that's just taking the heat out of that wage
0: increase. Can I ask you one more thing? Very topical, uh, it's sort of politically topical, definitely if you're reading the AFR, um, airfares. No. Oh, yes. no, no, uh, yeah. you now, because the, yeah, the, yeah, because yeah. services oh. is one of the big things is out of control in terms of inflation. It's where number. the inflation pulse yeah, is. So, yes, yeah, so yes, if you definitely. look at the, the the basket of goods and yep. services, yep. goods are pretty much under control. Yep. Services, the thing is out of control. That includes rents, for example. And we've you know, we were always talked about rents. So we're just undersupplied. So we're going to have a rent problem. Don't worry about it. It's just going to keep going. So yep. it's going to continue to influence the inflation number for a while. Um and I don't really see any outcome. I don't see how they're going to solve that for the moment. To be frank with you, like, not, compl- not the short term. No, completely no, honest. Yep, there's, yep. There's, we're not going to get a surge in new housing all of a sudden. It, it next, takes next a month. year or
1: two to build a yeah, house. It's a lead
0: time to turn from a bl- bit of dirt into a house that someone can move. It takes at least a year. So yep. Yep. let's anyway. look at uh, so the other services that I've just touched yep. on the political area, and no one's talking about it. But they keep saying, "Oh, well, it's you know, it's unfair for Virgin or it's unfair for a consumers." But it's unfair, unfair for all of Australians because yep. that that those airline prices yep. and and also the cost of other services like restaurants and hotels where you know we sit at the end of the airline, they sit at the end of the trip. <laughs> yeah. um, they're been going up by ridiculous amounts of money. Yes, huge amounts. So, what I, do you think about I, the politics I, of this? I think the decision to to. Um,
1: go against Qatar Airline having an extra, I think it was an extra 29 flights a week, 28 flights into Brisbane, Sydney. 28 different destinations. Yes, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne to different parts around the world. If you think about 28 flights, how many people on a plane? 300, that's about 8,000 people per week coming and going and 8,000 tickets that say, I just want to go on a holiday, I'll search around, Without those 8,000 tickets, there's fewer tickets for me to choose from. So, therefore, the price that even Qatar, let alone Qantas or anyone else charges, stays high. You only have to look at the European airline industry where there's a whole lot of small people. Obviously, the distance they travel is much smaller because they're all geographically closer to each other. But, yeah, you can get really cheap airfares from London to Frankfurt to Milan to Athens to wherever because there's so much competition that is actually working against the deceleration in inflation. You're right; the services inflation's a real problem. Because services includes airfares, correct? I, it's funny, Mark. I had a little look at this because I was as I was um, heading up to uh, Sydney the day before yesterday. I was listening to a podcast. Someone was talking about the airfare issue, so I'm of those. international travel makes up one point nine percent. Of the basket of the consumer price index, yeah, you know, we wow. talk about the basket of goods and services of the so, total basket of the total, but one point nine percent. Okay, yeah. let's call it two. Just call like, it two because uh, maths. Is, yeah, I agree with you because I yeah, <laughs> haven't had enough coffee today yet. But so if, if prices were to drop five percent because of competition, and remember they were out very elevated, and international air tickets are still really expensive compared with where they were pre-pandemic, they are. So just say this competition, not just Qatar Airways, but we let in I don't know Singapore Airlines and. Yeah, you quantas know, Qantas increased their yeah, capacity. I'm not here and... for Qatar, by the way. No, but no, no, just, no. just or Emirates com- Air, whatever. More just competition. Delta, Yeah, you know, I don't know. The, uh, Cathay Pacific, I don't know. Not that you want open slather, but you, we need more competition. If the international airfare has dropped by, let's just say, 5%, something's got a 2% weighting in the CPI basket, okay, you clip point 0.1 off your inflation rate. So if your forecast was going to be 3, now going to be 2.9. Wow. Or we'll put it this way: If prices go up, instead of three, it comes three point one. And okay, that's just one component of your inflation. But basket. you can control it. Well, you can control the number of people who come. Oh, sorry, the Maybe. number of flights yeah. that come and go into Australia, and whether it's Adelaide or Perth or Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Obviously, the big centres for the international flights. The competition policy in Australia is really good. Competition works really well in our banking system. It's pretty well, from speaking to someone who knows, it's cutthroat. Yeah, you know, and people's loyalty. There is an element of loyalty, and that's great. But however, if company XYZ offers you a discount, you take it, and you're gonna, you say, "Oh, look, I like Qantas, and, you know." But if I can fly to Athens for two hundred bucks cheaper, and the airline's much for muchness, I'm going to save two hundred bucks. Yeah.
0: It's, it, of course we are. So, what do you think as a, as a matter of policy? Do you think they should think? I think it was the wrong decision. Do you yeah. think the PM should weigh into this? Though, do you mean do, do, well, do, where does the PM yeah. get involved? Does oh. the PM get in and say, listen, I don't really want to. I, I recognize the issue, and but I'm my reasoning for this is to help all Australians when it comes to interest rates. One of the ways I can do that is get inflation down, and one of the ways to get inflation down is attack the services part of the industry and open slather. I reckon you can have a very good argument from the
1: Minister for Transport. Yeah, but he he
0: loaded the Transport Minister up. I heard him say, well, that's not
1: my decision. That's for the Minister for Transport. Well, it's actually the government's decision, by the way, so that might have been just a bit of a handball. Yeah, that's (laughs) what (laughs) what I thought. Um, But the the government does control the flow of international airlines, who comes, which cities they go to, and, uh, you know, just... And, again, it's one of those things where you don't say all of a sudden we're going to have 500 new flights a a month. No, do do an extra 10, do an extra 20, see how it goes. And, okay, if you have a flood and it causes genuine problems, you can't have too much of a good thing. You can't have an oversupply. But if it keeps prices competitive, if it keeps the price of tickets flat to lower, It's lower inflation. It's productivity too. And it's not just holidaymakers going off to sun themselves on a Greek island. Business people travel. It's also people coming here as well. It's a business cost. And yes, the plane, you know, we fly out, but holidaymakers come here, they stay at our nice hotels, eat eat our lovely food, drink our lovely wine, they go on tours of the harbour, they go down to Melbourne for the art galleries, you know, go up to the Hunter Valley. Like Queensland, tourism is... Terrific! It's it again pre pandemic. It was our third or fourth biggest export earner. Tourism, tourists coming to Australia, spending their money here, is like yeah. Thank you for looking at our things, and while you're here, leave a
0: couple of thousand bucks for so, the hotel and the so food. So again, Steve, and the car hire. Yeah. Government policy, whatever whatever the government <laughs> yep. policy is, is impacting inflation, as, yep. by, and therefore impacting interest rates. And at the end of the day the poor buggers who are paying for this are the people who can less afford it, least afford it. And, in fact, they're the ones who never go away on holidays and they're never going off, uh, jetting off to wherever. Um, they're sitting there just slogging away and I just think, for me anyway, I just wish there was somebody who would sit over top of this. But anyway, more importantly, you or me, let's look at your chart, mate. My iconic
1: monetary policy checklist, and here it is again for everybody to see, and let's go through it, Mark. And, it. and you'll see, I'll, I'll give you the answer before we start why interest rates are on hold and why financial markets are pricing just a possibility that the next move in rates is down not yet not for a year or so but just in the middle to latter part of 2024 it might be down here we go gdp it's really weakening there's no question that it's slowing down it's neutral it's not bad yet
0: uh, in the next couple of quarters, it could well move to the easing camp. And they like to see it, governments or RBA likes to see GDP between three and three and a half. Correct. Yeah. Possibly a little less with our ageing population. But, yeah, it,
1: But at the moment we're heading for GDP of one and a half. We haven't got there yet, but we'll, let's, we'll do that next month when we get the updated numbers. Inflation, I'm going to put tightening to neutral. It's coming down sharply around the world. Commodity prices are down, and while petrol prices have shot up a bit, there's more to the inflation story than just petrol. If that was the only thing in the whole checklist that we'd be looking at, you'd say there's a bias to hike, but as we'll see, there's more than that. Labor market, I'm moving to right all the way to neutral. That fall in employment that we saw in July, the uptick in the unemployment rate, the fall in job vacancies, the fall in job um, advertisements, suggested to me that the labour market's still go okay, but it's not in the easing side yet,
0: but it's starting to slow down. Especially given when the RBA governor-elect has said, <laughs> yeah. we want 4.5%. Yep,
1: and we're on our way to get it, so by it's the way. trending that direction. Yep, and, it, and if it gets there in the next six months, she'll be happy, we'll be happy, she'll have hit the inflation target more easily. Well, well who won't be happy? There's 140,000 people losing well, that's, jobs. Well, that's the issue, yes. Yeah, indeed. Wages, as we spent a bit of time discussing, 3.6% annual growth in wages. No problem. Not a problem in the world. Right. Perfect. Right territory. It's sort of like not too hot, not too cold, it's just right. Goldilocks, wages growth. <laughs> yeah. International economy, I'm going to put almost in easing. China is very weak, our major export market, but the US has been surprisingly resilient in the last month or so. A lot of the data that we've seen on their labour market, on their bottom line GDP numbers, have been a bit stronger. Same in Europe. Europe's slowing down, but it's not catastrophic. So it's not; it's sort of towards easing, uh, and the markets in Europe, US, Canada, UK, or UK's got more rate hikes. It's slightly different, but they're sort of a little bit like us. Mm, probably not another rate hike, but they're not quite ready to price in rate cuts. So I'm putting that towards that end of the side. House prices, they're going up after falling. I'm putting that just in the neutral camp. You know, well, they're, they're neither up nor down. They've gone well. sorry, they went down nine percent. They're up about five or six percent. There's a bit of
0: pressure. There's pressure on rents, as you discussed. But let's qualify that, though. There's also we're not in a normal market. So normal supply demand, in other words, demand is not going up, just that the supply is going down. Correct. Correct. We've got poor levels of supply. And and I would like to quickly explain that because, you know, in terms of um, assessing demand, the thing that creates demand is affordability, and affordability is out of control because we now now (laughs) assess people's borrowing capacity at nearly 10%. So as a result of that, we can lend less. Or we don't lend at all, and therefore the demand curve, or the demand, mm. yeah, well, the demand curve is nowhere near where it was a year ago. Correct. Yet, but the supply curve has also sort of dropped, so <laughs> where they two meet on the x-axis is showing should show a lower price. Lower price, but it's not yet. And there's just a hint again. You
1: remember the spring selling season is usually when there, there is a bit of seasonality in house prices, yep. no doubt. So we've got the big selling season. There's new listings. The uh, data from CoreLogic and SQM research showed new listings have gone up unusually strongly. Yeah. And a bit of discussion about investors getting out, that they're, you know, they're, you know investors are having to ne- even though they get negative gearing benefits, they still have to pay the interest costs and all this stuff. So there's evidence that there's a bit more supply coming onto the market. So house prices have got to be neutral. And I think that's the you right know, place. It's not, they're that not, you wouldn't hike rates, you wouldn't, yeah, about neutral. Retail sales, shocking. We consumers, and I'll put consumer sentiment in that, we saw all the Westpac consumer sentiment, uh, we saw the retail sales numbers come out from the Bureau of Stats. Retail spending now is lower than it was in October last year. We've had, so people are hunkering down. We consumers aren't silly. Cost of living pressures, interest rate pressures, and now just the hints of a weakness in the labour market, what are you going to do? You're going to go out and have that fancy restaurant meal? You're going to buy you know that fancy sort of <laughs> holiday away? Well, look, let's just hunker down, stay at home. So retail sales are really weak, and sentiment's pretty bad. Building approvals, well, that's the supply of dwellings, Damn. too low. Interest rates are a factor in property developers' um, decision to whether I'm going to build that series of townhouses or I'm not. Well, if interest rates are up here, my cost of borrowing money to build these houses so high, I'm not going to build them. So we need, and they're really weak. Business investment, it's doing okay. You know, we, we, there's a catch-up from the COVID when a lot of businesses shelled, machinery and equipment purchases and building warehouses, that's actually doing okay. The Bureau of Stats data on business investments, pretty good. Same with business confidence. It's come down a bit as the economy slowed down, but unlike consumers who are feeling pretty miserable, the business sector is, I'll call it okay, And that's why it's neutral. It's not strong, not weak. Another one of those ones that's in the middle. Commodity prices, well, they were falling. We noticed you you fill up your car with petrol, two bucks a litre now there or thereabouts. Did get down to about $1.70 a couple of months ago. So commodity prices were down. They've gone up a bit. You know, China's slowing down, the iron ore price, things that matter to Australia, they're sort of all over the place. So I'll put that in neutral. Stock market. I'm going to put that cheekily in neutral to tightening because it's actually really resilient. The US, the NASDAQ, you know, with all these tech stocks, all these crazy, you know, chip makers and things doing really well. And not say the hike rates because the stock market's strong, but it says to me that if there was a hike, okay, the market would probably drop a bit, but it's dropping from a level up here, not down here. And finally, current rates, I'm going to put that in the neutral to easing side, our 4.1% cash rate, 400 points of rate hikes in the last... 15, 16 months or so, policy's tight. The RBA acknowledged that policy is restrictive. To get super restrictive, you'd need some of these discs to come back to the tightening side of our, of our checklist. So you're going to say nothing, no change? Most of them are here, slight skewing to easing, but for the rate cut decision to be realistic, and it's not, Just, just I just want to emphasise this, we are not about to get a rate cut. If we were to get a rate cut in nine to 12 months, this inflation marker has to go back to neutral or even easing, and that means inflation, not just for one quarter, one month at 3%. It's got to be two and a half or less. We're not there yet, and we may not be there for a year. But the critical thing about the rate cycle or a cutting cycle is inflation. A hiking cycle is postponed when you get the bulk of these
0: other ones neutral to easing. Right, So we, but, but I think what you're also saying is that... It- in the, in the neutral column, you want to see more of these disks in order because everyone's now thinking not so much when are the rates going to rise are the rates going to rise, which is where we were a year ago. Yes. We're now thinking are rates going to ease? And that's a bit of a
1: discussion. And Bill, well, Bill Ems is uh, our mate. Bill Ems is yeah. on the record saying that I think his latest forecast was he's sort of moving away from Westpac uh, was late twenty four yeah. and in twenty five. I think he had seven rate. Cuts. Yeah, seven rate. Cuts. If I remember correctly, I don't quote me on Bill. No, apologies. No, 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 no it was seven. It was seven. Yeah. So back down to what's that? About two and a quarter percent cash rate from four point one. I think that's a bit aggressive. But uh, it's a bit aggressive. But hey, you know, as, as we we're just discussing, Bill's a pretty sharp. Thinker on all these sort of things. And if it's five or six or seven, it's still a great call if it comes to fruition. But there are other people sort of saying, well, look, yeah, they've done enough. There's enough rate hikes in the system. These weakening indicators around retail sales, it's the consumer where the weakness in the economy is. Yeah, you know, business sector is doing okay, stock market's doing okay. It's us consumers that are under the pump, cost of living, interest rates. So I know I've said that three times already in our recording. That is the name of the game.
0: So, And, and just, just to close it out, so, you know, you're, you made a very good point. Um, the RBAs directs its traffic towards consumers. It also directs yeah. its traffic towards small business owners. I'll just, I'll just park that one and come back to it. But they direct their traffic towards consumers. and uh, And as a result of consumers slowing down in their spending, as because their cost of living is much higher, because their interest rates are much higher now, or the, in the case of renters, rents much higher, GDP starts to suffer because, you know, household consumption is 60 to 70% of the total GDP number. So the indicators that, you know, listeners should be looking for is where's GDP going? Is GDP starting to move, you know, down from, you know, 2% to 1.5% down to some other number? If we start seeing that, we're we're in good shape relative to waiting, expecting interest rate reductions. Um, and the other thing is in terms of business confidence, and it's a very important one point you made in business investment. Businesses are the biggest employer in the country. You know, seventy percent of all employees are employed by small business, not big business. Small business, and it's not until consumers' behavior affects small business owners, that small business owners start to say, I can't give you a wage rise or worse still, yeah. I'm going to have to put someone off or Excellent worse still, point, I'm not yeah. going to replace someone, then and only then do, will we st- can we start to expect the RBA to be looking at easing because as much as Everybody keeps banging on it, but governments keep banging on about how important the business community is, you know, to Australia's, we're the engine room of all of Australia. And when I say business consumers, small business owners, I'm talking about people who work for themselves like you, me, everybody else. If we start tightening our belts and we start to lose a bit of the confidence away from mutual to easing. Yeah, yeah. Then that will affect employment or unemployment and the unemployment number will start to rise. And given that we've had a lot of people come into this country who are going to be looking for a job, that can help us with the labour market numbers as well in terms of I, I'm talking about wages. So my gut feeling is, because everyone always asks me, and I bump them, I'm sure they're doing the same to you, but when will we start to see rate reductions and how much by? Well, how much by, I don't know, somewhere between. For me, I reckon the the, the proper neutral Position for the RBA cash rate is somewhere between three and three and a half percent. That's what I reckon. It's just a, a view, you know. But that, that means we're sort of looking at maybe three rate reductions. When I, when it will be when we start when we if we keep seeing that unemployment number creeping up towards four point five, yep. and that's going to come off the back of someone saying oh, Instead of having two coffees every morning, I'm going to have one. I'm going to make one at home. And that's and the, the coffee deal. shop owner who
1: has three people making the coffee, washing Changing the dishes. Change the shifts around to, to save the, money. A few hours. Yeah. A few hours or less, less of people. Less people. It's, and th- that small business point that you made was absolutely spot on. When people are coming in your door, they're spending money, fantastic. Everybody's happy. I'm going to – well, it's, and it's employment is one thing, but it's also, oh, I'm going to get that new machine. I need a new car. A new thing. That's economic activity. Mm-hmm. I need a new van to deliver my goods. I need a new. I'm a trader. I need a new power drill and all this other stuff. So I'm building lots of houses. Well, well hopefully, uh, and until that happens, uh, you know, we've we've got this downside risk to the economy. If they postpone their decisions to buy a new car, to buy machi- new machinery, cut the hours of people working in their little businesses, then the economy that that negative spiral of economic weakness comes through.
0: And. and- I mean, I know people listen to the show because they want to hear someone like you as an expert in economics, et cetera, and is always following the data and, you know, working things out and, you know, future future forecasting and all that sort of stuff. But what I would say to people is, yeah, Steve, will can, Steve can put it into numbers and he can put it into formulas and algorithms and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, all the things you've gone through in your checklist, you, the consumer, the consumer can actually go out and say, you know what? There's not many people in this restaurant anymore. There's not many people at uh, Bunnings anymore. Uh, I'm just noticing different. I and mean, ask the owners, the businesses, how are you going? Yeah. Yeah. And you'll get a sense of where this all ends up. And if you just, if you're watching this and you can see this chart, at the top of the chart is GDP and inflation. GDP and inflation, all the other things feed into all the other things below feed into GDP and inflation. Correct. GDP and inflation are just numbers at the end of the day, created by all the other things that sit below it: labor markets, wages. Um, you know, economic activity, uh, international activity, house prices, retail sales. We consumer centre, we know. We, we're, we live in the yeah. world, all all yeah. of us normal people outside of you uh, live in this world and uh, you get a sense of it and you'll get just as good a sense of it as Steve will be able to articulate in numbers and I might be able to articulate because I talk to probably more people than most people but you, the consumer, you'll get a good sense of this the way things are going.
1: What listeners are saying in their business, with their friends, their business associates, their kids, whatever, is tomorrow's economic data that I look at. What you're doing today is you're listening to this and thinking, oh, gee, you know, the economy's a bit soggy, you know, oh, gee, I went out there and there's not many people around, is the data that's going to be in retail sales next month, consumer sentiment and building approvals.
0: So just check yourselves. You've got a pretty good idea, but keep listening because we've got something else coming next month. Thanks, Googie. Thanks, Mark. Fantastic. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.